afternoon, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you again. Yeah. Or to hear from you again for yeah. those that can't see. Thanks for joining us on Canna Therapy again. Uh, very excited to talk to you. And I've got a really cool topic that I want to talk to you about today. Um, because what I do is I really see you, someone who's really, you, you really know your stuff and how you present your stuff and the depth of your understanding about the horse's body and, and practice and evidence and, and all those types of things. I thought we could have a bit of a, a talk about that because it's from my world as well of looking at evidence and and the whole concept of evidence-based practice and getting people to uh, be um, open-minded about what they're seeing, but not so open their brains fall out, okay, is, is really the, the way that I want to see it. So I thought we uh, we might have a bit of a, a chat about that, about, you know, being able to, being a little bit more discerning about what we're seeing out there and a little bit more thoughtful about what's actually good for our horses, what might look good, but not be good. These are the conversations that I want to have a, a talk with you about. So I think before we go down that road, which I'm really excited we're going to do, because as people know, I get triggered so easily. Um, <laughs> I think what we need to assume, there's a couple of things that I try and remind myself when I read yeah. and see things that make me go, hold a minute, yeah. um, is most people really want to help their horses and are a little on the desperate oh, yeah. side, right? Um, which then means that they try and follow whatever trend is working for their other barn mates. Um, so there is the first pitfall that's like, what's trendy? And that worked for so-and-so, so maybe it'll work for me. Mm. And then the next pitfall is it's not popular to poke holes in something that everybody says is great. Right. Yeah. So now you're going, well, logically, that doesn't make sense or scientifically, there's no proof of this or whatever. Yeah. And then people say that you're a negative person and that you're just not, you know, playing along. And this person knows and they have all this evidence based stuff. But when you actually do a little digging, you can't find the evidence. So it's never popular to be the odd man out and to poke holes in what other people are finding wonderful. Then we have to remember the third thing, which is it doesn't take much to make a horse feel better. Okay, so there's a lot of people with a lot of really big theories um, that get some results because whatever you're offering, it's going to work for a percentage of the population. Even if it's placebo, it's still going to work, right? Yeah. And so you're going to have to keep that in mind that there is a certain like whatever gimmick whatever theory whatever therapy whatever training method they're using it's going to work for a sliver yeah. the question is is your horse in that sliver yeah. and have you done your homework yeah. and so i think there's all these things that come into it where um in the day of instant information constant instant information including my own i don't count myself out of that it gets a little hard to be discerning. It gets a little hard to um, evaluate what is and what isn't credible. Um, I think people don't take the time to really look at something and go, well, everybody's doing this and it seems to be working, but what are they actually doing? And does this work with fundamental rules of engagement in terms yeah. of, like I said to you when we started, um, you know, evolution, embryology, basic yeah. physics, like, does that work in yeah. with it? Yeah. And also the application, which really drives me mad of stuff 
we know or thoughts we know about people being applied to <laughs> authors. That, that drives me complete, Matt, especially things in terms of more um, social aspects of behaviour. And well, we can't prove any of it. No, Even if any of it, we can't prove any of it because we can't talk to them. Nobody's ever wired up a horse to an MRI machine and taken sections while it's being stimulated because that's a train wreck waiting to be happened. Yes, yes. Um, so you know, we can't prove any of it, and we have to understand that while you know neurology in general works the same. Our brain is structured in a very different way. We are all about making tools and language, yeah. which makes our life very complicated. <laughs> they are all about feel good, not feel good, yeah. and stay on my feet. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, they have a, a, a more of a, they establish their reality from a physical experience, whereas we have a social reality where we can talk about it. We have layers to it. I can tell you what we're going to do beforehand and you can get a picture in your mind. You know, the horse does and it's just got to basically bump into it or have that experience firsthand. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I do get the pseudoscience in uh in the horse world really does drive me nuts uh out there sometimes okay you can say oh look that's it's quite harmless but sometimes it's actually not um well i think there's pitfalls to it there's just dangers danger to um to what we are teaching people what we are teaching the horse and how we're bringing it all together and you know, um, I have a lot of friends that are more on the woo side of the world. And I have a lot of friends that are more on the science side of the world. Yeah. And it's always interesting for me to like dip my toe in each pool yeah. and kind of see how that works. Does there need to be a balance? Yes. But at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter how many wonderful theories we have. We need to be able to somehow quantify it, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the theories that I have um, are based on years of clinical application. They're based on, you know, records and images of horses that I touch, you know, for years that allowed me to come to a lot of the conclusions that are the way I work today. Yeah. Does it make it scientifically credible? Not in the eyes of the scientific community because I do, I'm not peer reviewed. Mm. I haven't written any research papers. Right. So essentially, it's not scientifically credible. Right. The fact that it works is awesome. The fact that I have evidence to corroborate it is awesome. But I, you know, I see people all the time that go, oh, science based, evidence based. And I'm like, what science and evidence? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The people like there's a lot of misunderstanding of what actually science is. Science is really, there's very few things in science that are factual science doesn't necessarily have a lot of facts it just collects evidence and so just because one paper looked at 36 horses and came up with this uh even the way if you read the paper you read it the paper will report on that particular case that particular experiment but you get people that take that and they go and fly it they go and fly it as, as a general rule when it's just like no the, the science is that's what they found in that particular study be careful applying it um, you know, in a way that's kind of real generalized. It's not like that. So 
there's something that that really does is there's a bit of a I suppose we'll say you gave the three things and there's possibly something that I will label a bit of a trend that I wanted to to talk about because it's a trend that actually makes me feel uncomfortable is there's a <laughs> <Just one. laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable for a number of reasons and it is um, I see all the, the the pictures or videos of everyone celebrating the fact that you know, at the end of a clinic or, or a treatment or whatever, the horse goes and lays down. And therefore, that is a sign it must be good. Now, I'm not going to say it's good or bad, but it's just like, hang on, you know, the horse laying down. If I if I work with a horse and then it lays down, I'll be a little disturbed, just the same as if... It, okay, you know, so I have an example of that. Yeah, yeah, so okay. I did a horse owner's clinic in Arizona. Yeah. And um, one of these mares just laid out and i'm like oh because it's not yeah. normal she's right. in a new place that she doesn't know surrounded yeah. by horses and people that she doesn't know and she just lay down in the sand now yeah. turns out she was absolutely exhausted because she was older and she said she traveled seven hours in a trailer and so the sand was warm blah, 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 and she was just exhausted but the thing is that is a red flag so for yes. a horse to lie down with all this going on and all these people, and it doesn't matter how relaxed it gets, it's not normal behavior. They wouldn't do it in the wild, yeah. right? Certainly not with that many people and horses that they don't know. Because yeah. horses live in those communities where they have a, like, you know, almost like in the army, who's on duty, right? Yeah. And they have a set group that they have who's on duty. The first one horse watches, mm. one sleeps, yeah. and then they swap over, right? And so that's not normal. In the same clinic, I had a different mare who had colic surgery and her belly was itchy from the scar. You know how scars yeah, can sometimes is, have yeah. that constant nociception yeah. where you're like, just itch it. Yeah. And so she used to lie down regularly for the owner to itch her belly. Mm. And so at the end of the clinic, like after we'd done everything, she lay down so the owner could itch her belly. And then she got up, she shook off and she moved yeah. on. So the thing is, we have to remember what is normal for yeah. the animal and what is not. Yeah. Um, and for me, there is always the case of like, when something like that happens, our instinct is like, oh, isn't it great? The horse trusts us, the horse loves us. And I'm like, mm, I don't know sure that that's normal. For me, it's a concern because most horses um, will wait for you to go away uh and then lie down yeah. right or if they really know you and you woke up to them sleeping um they generally like don't have anywhere else to go so a lot of times you see people like in the stable with their horses yeah. the horse has given up it's like okay i just need to sleep and you're here so whatever yeah. i don't buy it as a bonding thing yeah no i don't either like to me, that signifies like I have pain in my feet and I just need to lie down because my feet hurt. Yeah. Um, I don't feel comfortable in my body and I just need to lie down. Yeah. Um, as a whole, healthy horses that are happy um, and are in a field, if you approach yeah. a horse that's lying down in the field, generally, generally, yeah. they will get up. They will look at you, get up and kind of go, well, you disturbed my sleep. Yeah. Yeah, and that's generally, that's kind of normal. It's not abnormal if they do do that. Well, sometimes yeah. they don't. And, you know, I'm, I mean, there are horses that people have had, like, since they were a foal. So mm. 
I guess the human falls into the herd member. So they just look yeah. at you and go fit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, it's what's normal for the horse. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And right? if you've got someone so, saying, oh, they've never laid down before. I'd be exactly going, like, that's a that red flag concern me yeah that's a red flag but people just assume and I think it is Tammy as well I think the, uh, there's lots of people out there that actually fear the emotions of the horse and they love they want to see it switched off you know and so when that emotion of the horse is switched off and they're very doughy or they're allowing things and they're being they're they're not they're laying down just say that that to them gives them them a massive relief or then they can't help but see that as positive because the emotions of the horse when the horse is maybe an anxious. But the horse is whatever. checked out. I know. Point, I know. The horse is checked out. So whatever you're trying to teach it, whatever yeah. you're trying to treat, it's no longer available. Yeah. So this is, and I talk about this a lot with my students where I'm like, there is a threshold at which the, the brain's not paying attention to you anymore. The horse is not paying attention to you yeah. anymore. Does it look great that the horse is standing there all zonked? Yes, but it's whatever you're doing is pointless because the whole point of our interaction, whether we're training or treating, yeah. is to have cognitive awareness. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have cognitive awareness, then what the hell are you doing? Yeah, you don't have it. Well, there's that, what, that Yerk Dobson law of arousal, which means you need to have a certain level of arousal for learning to take place. And there's like this obsession, I'm going to say it, and it just, it annoys the hell out of me the amount of discussion about the autonomic nervous system in um, in in training horses and it, it's simplified and dumbed down to a fact <laughs> that's that what we can the, grasp. the sympathetic nervous system is evil because that's all about flight or fright and then um or the parasympathetic nervous system is good because that's where the horse is relaxed and it's like it's like <laughs> no you know if when I walk into a just say a classroom of people or a group of people I'm going to teach I don't want them all laying down asleep that would disturb me and if at the end of my lesson they all went to sleep that would also disturb me we actually need the good old sympathetic nervous system is actually quite important for the whole learning thing you know <laughs> like it's it's homeostasis it's balance you need arousal for learning the um, way I try and explain it to um to students that come and see me is everything in the body has a switch that's on and off right yeah and um that switch is one switch for the whole thing it's yeah. not so yeah. you can't like there is this tendency to uncouple like you say like oh the if we have too much sympathetic flooding then you know it's bad if we have yeah you know, we, we want the horse to always be calm and zoned and stoned. And I'm like, but that's not normal, right? No. And <laughs> the thing is, those two are two sides of the same coin. Yes. And balance in the body is the ability to go flip-flop, 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 yeah. flip-flop, depending on the situation. Yeah. And I think what people don't understand is th there's so many things like you had that post that I really liked about the worry cup or, you know, yeah. if you want trigger stacking or whatever you want to call it. The thing is because of the way we keep horses, mm. their revving level, like yeah. all of us have a revving level that's individual to us. Like yeah. I'm easily triggered. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like there's a lat that just makes my cup go. whoosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My revving level is an eight. 
most horses live there as well because yeah. we do things to them that keep them there. Yeah. Whether it's physical, emotional, environmental, it keeps them there. Yeah. In nature, or if I was a less neurotic person, <laughs> your revving level would be at about a five or a six. Yeah. Right. And so it wouldn't, you wouldn't get pushed over the edge so fast. Yeah. And then you have to think about how we deal with behavior. So I had this conversation today with um, one of my colleagues where I'm like, horses don't stand a chance. So physical balance and emotional balance are very coupled. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So how is the horse going to ever succeed? Because in order to have physical balance, your head needs and your eyes need to have independent motion to the rest of your body. Yeah. Right. You must be able to move your head freely in space mm -hmm. in order to have balance via your teeth, your eyes and your ears. Right. Yes. Horses never get that privilege. Everything we do is about controlling where their head is or yanking it around. Yeah. So how are they ever going to be able to attain any emotional balance? Yeah when we control their physical balance by actively interfering yeah. with it. We do their teeth, we do their feet, yeah. we yank on their head. We, you know, we do all this stuff to that sensory input. And then we want them to be balanced and run around like a ballerina and do pirouettes. Yeah. And be relaxed. <laughs> and be relaxed. Yeah. yeah. How is that yeah. going to work? Well, that's damn hard. You, you, you look out there at the horses out there and they really are marvellous, <laughs> really, <laughs> with what they put well, up. They, they succeed in spite of us. That's right. They're incredible, stoic and, and resilient and suffering, <laughs> you know, all mixed in. But that you know what? Even that is an issue. So yeah. a lot of times I feel like we feel so sorry for them and they don't understand that because horses don't have those higher that secondary emotions yeah. right so we come and we're like oh my god your poor yeah. foot your mm -hmm. back your saddle doesn't fit and the horse is like what why are you why are you like that is there a problem are we going to get eaten is there something wrong exactly. that's how they interpret yeah. that stuff that we bring to them and like i think I've maybe because I've been doing this for so long, it doesn't matter how banged up and crock the horse is that somebody pulls out. I'm like, okay, today's day one. And I think because I come with that attitude instead mm. of like, oy vey, right? <laughs> <laughs> then the horses are just like, oh, okay. Yeah. You don't have that baggage. Mm. And so I think there's a big element of that. Oh, massively. It's like what I say when I take over a horse and I start working with it. You know, the you know, owner might tell me, my horse won't do this. I take hold of the lead rope or whatever, and the horse will do that for me. It's just that I'm clear. I'm not worried about what the horse is worrying about. And, you know, I just I'm just clear, simple, do this. And the horse goes, okay. Because I'm not, it's not, it's not being flooded with all this other information. And I wrote a blog the other day that pointed out that we are the same. We 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 are really um, ignorant. Like if I said in the post said, if someone tells you they love you, you just don't go, oh, yep, you love me. You don't. You study their face. You study their emotion and their intent. Because just because they're those words, like just because when you 
pick up a rein on a horse, <laughs> it should flex. It's no, it's feeling everything that's going on there. You're asked the horse to do something. It just doesn't go, oh, okay. It's checking you out. And if you're- Well, but that, even if it goes, and that's again, talking about red flags. Yeah. People, um, I think have gotten to the point where, and maybe this is why there is this confusion down to the second point or to the first yeah. point where people are just so desperate. Yeah. People assume- that horses need to be quiet and compliant and just stand there and do what they're told. Well, yeah. I tell you what, whenever I meet horses like that, I'm like, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, that's right. They're right. Not... So one yeah. of the ladies that is, uh, I work a lot with a pony of mine and Monique has a barn full yeah. of horses. She's always like, why don't you have clinics here? And I'm like, cause your horses are too opinionated and they're all 19 hands. So, <laughs> you know, if somebody's trying to learn, it's not gonna work out. But, they are, they have opinions. They're healthy, happy yeah. horses. And so after she fixes them. And so, <laughs> you know, when you come and you ask them something, like, I don't want to do that. You can't make me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think there is an element where we've gotten so used to, you know, huh? yeah. yeah. Okay. That we've given up on like understanding what they're really like and saying okay can yeah. i interact with you from one living being to another and find a way to communicate yeah yeah and stop putting human things over the top like oh, it's yes i'm so mad that you know horses nipping at you and and mouthing on you that it's social engagement of wanting to engage with you because you know looking at john gottman's work in human marriage counseling <laughs> it's just like a bid for connection it's like it's like seriously it's also a horse how do you know what its belief or its perception of what it's well, doing so what i always tell people is to look back at the what they know at the basics right so what horses mouths are like our hands yeah. so they explore stuff with it mm -hmm. right secondly like what do we do with our hands when we're like bored when we we're done we start to fidget so yeah. you know start to look at these things in context of what you know i think that's what's important for people to understand is rather than buy everything you're told yeah. start to look at it in concept of what you know and then question the people that reinvent the wheel right yeah. like if we'll people have been doing horsemanship for so long in a certain way yeah. right and it's based on, like I said, evolution, embryology, and physics. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, somebody comes along and says, no, we're going to do it like this. And I figured it out. And, you know, the people that came before me had it almost right, but I have it right. Yeah. You know, somebody tried to insult me and said, oh, what you're doing is nothing new. And I went, awesome. It means I didn't make it up. Yeah. <laughs> it I've got, I got a particular practice going on thank you <laughs> it's great it means there's other people before me who had the same ideas and same concepts which means i'm not making it up thumbs up yeah thanks <laughs> that's right oh and i get this is this is quite cute when i'm working with people and they'll um you know i'll be giving them the same lesson multiple times because they're struggling with a concept and then they'll send me it written in a different way and they'll say, oh, you know, you know, like, oh, this made sense to me today. And, and it, you know, like, and it's just written, it was exactly what I've been working on with them for, for a long time, but it's just written in a slightly different way. And they're going, see, well, this makes sense. And it's just, it's just a different well, way of saying the same you thing. You know, 
one of the things I think you learn when you teach is how many ways they are to learn. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. So I, I think in pictures, I'm a very visual yeah. learner because I can't spell and I just don't have any punctuate. Words are not a thing for me. Yeah. Um, pictures are and tactile stuff is. Yeah. So that's how I learn. Um, and it's really interesting, like when you teach, there are different ways to say the same thing mm. and um, how people perceive that and how they understand it also depends on where you are in your level of knowledge. And I think this again goes back to what we talked about where, you know, there people follow kind of blindly because it's the in thing and it's worked for X mm. um, that, you know, what you take away from what you're being told depends on the level of your knowledge in that subject. Yeah. So yeah. when I first learned cranial sacral therapy, mm -hmm. um, I used to go to the classes and sit there like, you know, jaw hanging, eyes like this going, she's talking Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> um, and through, you know, working my ass off and going multiple times and assisting and teaching, I was able to like, hear things and what was really funny is I always used to say it's a Dr. Sandra Howlett she left the Upladger Institute she's now doing her own teaching she's awesome she mm. used to like say things and I go you never said that and I was like no you didn't say it and she goes yes I did but you didn't hear it and it really yeah, is about hear it, yeah. where you're at in yeah. order to assimilate that new information yeah. and I think we all need to be aware of where we're at. And if we want to aspire to do better for our horses, that needs to start with like basic education mm. and then questioning things. So yeah. just because it sounds good and it's worked for X, yeah. doesn't mean that it's going to work for your horse and doesn't mean that it's the real deal. Because like I said before, it doesn't take a lot to make a horse feel better. Yeah. Um, you know, just walking a horse for 15 minutes a day is going to change its world if it's living in a tiny box, mm. right? So mm. it doesn't take a lot to make the horse feel better. So the question is, is the gimmick actually working? Yeah. Or is it just because you've offered the horse some way of movement or you slow down and you stop riding? A lot of these people go, you can't ride for 30 days. Of course the horse is going to be better. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you have to yeah. kind of, look at the grand scheme of things and remember to use critical thinking because yes. we're all capable of it. It's just a matter of not being lazy and going, oh, so-and-so said it works, so I'm going to yeah. try it. Oh, and, and just being a little bit like, I, I, you know, a, a few months ago, I was talking to someone and they were getting their horse treated. Their horse is, there's something not right with it, but, you know, the vets can't work out what's right. And she's getting the horse treated by uh, like a bodywork practitioner and the bodywork practitioner keeps coming out and the horse is no different. The horse is not improving whatsoever. And I just said, well, what is the, this particular practitioner? Well, what's their advice on the situation? Because if I've been just say trying to train or work with a horse for months and months and months and months and months and months and months and, months and, months and nothing was going on, you can't just say it takes as long as it takes because you should see something. You should see something yeah. going see, on. This is all part flag. of that problem yeah. where, you know, I tell all my students, I do it myself. If you've been out three times yeah, and there's no difference, you need a vet. Yeah. And, and that's if 
Yeah. If you've worked on a horse, and some horses take longer. I had this horse in Sweden where that girl, bless her heart, her commitment was out of this world. Yeah. It took two months before anything changed. And she'd had the vet, she'd done everything. Cause I said to yeah. her, look, you know, you need to figure out there's something bigger going on. Yeah. She'd done all of that and nothing changed. And then like overnight he went from like all like gimpy and like eek, to like yeah. Donkey Kong. Like the body yeah. just went, okay, I'm ready. Ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes it does happen, but you need to have other input. And I always tell people, be wary of the practitioner that says that they're the only thing you need. Yes. Because yeah. um, it takes multiple prongs to make it work. Um, and then, you know, there are certain ethics that I think as any professional, you need to abide by, right? Yeah. So in terms of like, if you've worked with a horse and I had it, I had a client who tried really hard and sent me a picture and I called her and I said, your horse is done. Like yeah. it's time because the horse, he was a young horse. He looked so bad, she knew it, right? She sent me the pictures and I'm like, okay, you've been doing the work. She's like, yeah, I go, there is something fundamentally yeah. wrong that we cannot fix. I mean, he looked yeah. so pinched and so sunken in. And I was like, you need a vet, you need to figure out what you want to do, yeah. but I can tell you, and I'm very, I am like the biggest thing for me for all animals is quality of life. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so I'm looking at this horse and I'm going, there is no quality of life. This horse is just waiting for mm. nature to take its course. Right. And so um, she did, she, you know, gave him a lovely last day and sent him over the rainbow and it was the best thing because she had tried you know she yeah. really she had tried she had multiple therapists multiple vets she had done everything under the sun and sometimes we just can't help them but we need to be cognizant of that and that's part of what we were talking about that yeah. you bring that kind of human thing they don't want to survive at any rate there's no dignity in it yeah they wouldn't do it in the wild they wouldn't survive in the wild because yeah. the herd would move on they'd be a liability yeah, yeah. so yeah. You know, there is this whole kind of thing where I think oh, I would ask people to separate their hemispheres, yes. even though it takes both to make a decision. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like when you have a visceral response of like, oh my God, I love my horse. I can't put it down. Yeah. Right. Step out of that picture yeah. and go, if I was standing out here, can I really see my horse? do they really have a quality of life just because they're eating and standing there doesn't mean they have a quality of life yeah because the body is going to keep doing what it needs to do for as long as it's breathing and the heart is beating yeah it doesn't mean that there is a quality of life no if an animal feels vulnerable especially uh, an animal like a horse that's a bit of a, a hellish world to to have to navigate through feeling like you can't move or, or, or function, uh, that's, that's really disturbing. And so you might have a, a, a standing eating creature there, but it's, it's probably not really there, <laughs> there anymore. Well, it's, it's also the, the thing of, you know, um, I have these conversations sometimes with clients because I had, I think like two years ago, I think just before COVID, there's a whole bunch of horses that got put down that were regular clients. And I'm like, 
you know, there comes a point where you don't want it to be an emergency and the end is the same. So why remember them as some slowly dying, withering thing that you've kept alive through sheer force of will instead of letting them have a little dignity and not suffer? Because the end is going to be the same. Yeah, there's a, as I say to people when they're very worried about, you know, wanting to rescue horses or this this is going on or the horse is in a bad way or difficult, there's worse things that can happen to a horse besides being put down. And yes, it's suffering. Absolutely. It's letting them be, letting them suffer, suffer away in some paddock somewhere where it's crippled or starving or whatever. There's worse things that can happen to a horse besides a dignified death. But um, that's how people get to what we started when we talked about yeah. where they're willing to try anything yeah. and buy into anything because they want to find the last ditch thing yeah. that might save the horse. And it's out of love. It's, yes. You know, um, but sometimes you can love a thing to death. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can love it or love it beyond what's actually ethical. You know, that's actually when, when it's think, more about you than them. Well, and that's where this kind of education comes in, in yeah. terms of choosing what you believe from what is being put out in the world yeah. is um, you always have to, you have to go with your gut, but at some point you have to check in with reality yeah. and kind of look at the, the ugly facts in the clean light of day. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Hey, Tammy, I just remembered I've actually got a, a red flag case for you that I had a couple of weeks ago that okay. I because it might have something to do with your craniosacral knowledge. Um, so I was working with a 12-year-old thoroughbred mare used in a riding school, right? And with lots of riding school horses, they get a bit of a head flick that you could probably label as like, you know, head flicking or head tossing syndrome, but you could see it was there was a pattern to it. Whenever a face was touched or whatever, she she'd flick. So, uh, and I was just how I do a test to see whether it's behavioural or something else is that I'll just try to target it with a very small consequence to see mm -hmm. if I can slow it down. So every time this and 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 on it, the, the flicking was a bit extreme because you got to put a halter on her and she could flick her head up quite savagely right anyway so I got her and every time she flicked ahead I just gently flexed her a little bit to the side and then just left her and every time she flicked I just just flexed her and and what I get to see is when I do that with with horses that are doing it if it's something they can't stop it won't stop but if there's something I can when I can draw attention to it for the horse that they start associate when I do this with a minor consequence and I see a reduction in it. I can see this might be possibly a learned thing. Anyway, I was going along and her head flicking was going very small, like it would become very small movement and going. And all I was doing was just gently flexing her, just doing a small flex to the side. That was it. Anyway, then this really weird thing happened. A big bolus amount of saliva came out of her mouth. Okay, so I was going to say to you, the lateral flexion is a cheat, girlfriend. So I'm going to poke holes in all your concepts. Go, go for it. Go for it. So <laughs> head flicking, tossing, whatever you want yeah. to call it, has multiple Yeah, things. multiple causes, yeah. Generally, up and down mm -hmm. is pain side to side is neurological, right? Okay. That's assuming you have an issue. You can yeah. also have trigeminal stuff, which it sounds like, 
you have to remember that a lot of school horses, people are really have hard hands and like their teeth get yeah. clanked and that fires up yeah, yeah. the geminal and yeah. they touch their face and stuff. And, yeah. you know, on the track, they're not kind to their face or their tongue either. So that was already like predisposed yeah, 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 yeah. right from the yeah. beginning. But we also have salivary glands that get yeah. backed up because we're doing all sorts of things to their mouth, right? Yeah. And so the moment you do any lateral flexion, mm -hmm. however small and soft, you're affecting the occipital base. So were you reducing the behavior or yeah. were you treating the problem? Oh, okay. That's <laughs> the globule. So I bet you, you were doing it to the left. How about that? Yes, I was. <laughs> okay tell me more okay so most horses are contracted on their right side which causes yeah. a lot more backed upness oh that's a very scientific term that's backed upness oh, causes a lot more congestion in that uh throat latch and that occipital base on yeah. that side so while you were trying to train the behavior you were doing what I do, which is somatosensory reintegration. You're reminding her like, hey, can you go to the left, go to the left, go to the left. Oh, look, fascial remodeling. Ding. Now we have space. Oh, let's get rid of all the junk that's backed up in there. Sorry, there poked a hole in that one. And that's how it's done, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you are the boss. You are awesome. <laughs> So there I was thinking, I was just trying to see where I get the horse. I mean, the thing out. is, but this, you know why I love this conversation? Because it proves that we don't know. So was it that you trained the behavior? Yes. Yes. Was it that you actually treated physical components or yes. was it both? Yeah. Because also yeah. by doing that, you open the occipital base, which would change the state of the nervous system because yeah. all of those lovely ganglions that sit there and so did you put the horse in a natural state of calmness yeah. so did that come into play yeah the thing is we don't know we just yeah. theorize well it was just it was it was just really because it's just like i just did something then i gotta have to ask tammy about this but it was like it was kind of like i'd never seen normally when i do I can tell pretty quick whether it's like i have an impact on it or not most horses that you can just see because they don't do it when they're left alone they are right and that to me is the bigger in face yeah that they're on their face so you get to first of all i get to see that but that doesn't mean there isn't some as you said right. something's being triggered right something there is pain but if we can just do something simple as a simple consequence to see how it changes right but then this big bolus amount of saliva came out of them like it was bolus and it was just like, I just- You probably had a plug because those uh, salivary glands yeah. can get um, backed up. They can get yeah. stones in them even and stuff that sometimes have to be surgically removed. Yeah, okay. um, and so I'm wondering if that, you know, if you think about it, like if you, okay, this is the way I'm going to equate it to you because yeah. um, I'm really like, I have issues. And one of them is that sensation and sound to me is all on the same level. So okay. I can sit somewhere in a restaurant and eventually I have to go because all the volume of everything that I hear, everything that happens, what they're doing in the kitchen, what the people in the other table are talking about, what the people yeah. that are talking to me are talking about, yeah. who drop stuff like, and so eventually it's just sensory overload. Yeah. 
So think about this. So you know how when you have a new crown in your mouth, like it feels weird and for like a day, that's all you can feel. Yes. So imagine the horse had this freaking, I don't know how big it was in its mouth under its like tongue going, and then there's somebody pulling on it all the time. Wouldn't you be flicking your head? Yeah, yeah, you would. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I love this conversation because it points out so clearly like, that's cool. It depends what you do and where your vantage point or your perspective is. Because you thought, oh, I'm changing the behavior. Yeah, but I knew something else had happened. Changing the tissue. Probably in all reality, we were doing both. Both, yeah. But something definitely happened and it was just like, I'm going to ask an expert about this. This was very strange. Because oh, I don't know. There were people around me that were like, oh, that was a magical release. And I could have just gone, yeah, I am goddamn magical. But it was like, Mm-mm, that's not normal. I haven't seen that before. Okay, so the trick for that is I'll tell you, because I've had over the years <laughs> that I've been doing this, stuff like that happens all the time where I have to school my face and go, yeah, that's normal. And then I go, oh my God, what is going on? And I go home and I'm like in my books, you know, when things go clonk or um, I think the first time I did uh, the rainbow crunch on this mare and all her vertebrae, all her spine, everything let go. And it sounded like a string of pearls that you drop on the floor, like one after the other. I was like, Right. And, and the, the owner was like, oh, my God. I go, yeah, isn't that cool? I went home and I was like, did I break the horse? Did I break the horse? <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> it happens to all of us. I think yeah. the, the key is to acknowledge when you meet something yeah. that, and this goes back to this learning thing. When you meet something that is potentially like abnormal, mm. challenges your concept of what should have happened, is investigate it. Don't just go, oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, no, it's funny because the universe has put it in front of me again, right? So I had that experience a couple of weekends ago. And then I just had one of my uh, one of my good clients has just got a new horse, another off the track thoroughbred. And again, she's just been just been doing some, you know, it's just some some groundwork with it. Anyway, it started to salvate as well. And it's just like universe is giving me a lesson in, in horses salvating. I have a, you know, and I've just got to go through the, the checklist of like investigating the mouth and, and everything like that, but it actually drools. So after work, it actually drools. See, that's a problem. I would probably check its um, larynx and pharynx. Maybe yeah, okay. it, it can't swallow and breathe properly. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, good point. Yeah, good point. And I said, you got to, this is something, this sounds like something more mechanical. Um, yeah, because a lot of racehorses have collapsed tracheas. So yeah. your uh, pharyngeal yeah, arch. So, you know, that's what those tie back surgeries yes. are. So basically yeah. one side collapses. And yeah. so what happens is if they're like, because, you know, exercise creates more saliva, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so if you're not able to breathe and swallow safely, yeah. then you're going to drool. Yeah. Unless, of course, it's a tooth thing, which, you know, yeah that's an easy fix yeah she's got that she's got the the dentist and stuff coming but uh, yeah it was just like what is this universe what it's <laughs> like here, well you have to remember me. i don't know if they do it in your part of the world yeah. but certainly in america they do it they tie the horse's tongue down yes no they do do that here okay as well. well that changes so many things and how yeah. all that 
because again, people don't understand, they get fixated on one thing. So the tongue, the hyoid apparatus, the salivary gland, the teeth, the muscles of mastication, the cranial vault, the TMJ, and the first yeah. two vertebrae, they are a functional unit. Yeah. And so when you start messing with one, things go wrong in lots of ways. Yeah, it's a mind-blowing thing, isn't it, really? when you See, that's the thing. When you stop being so fixated by one aspect or, you know, you put professionals and, of course, the bit fitters just going to look at the bit and the... You know, the horse trainer is just going to look at the horse's response. You're going to get a, you know, a therapist come in with a body that's going to look at this. A farrier is going to look at their feet. That when you, it, it's all well and good to do that, but you've got to have this, you've got to be able to step back as well and not just get sucked into your silo of, of And that's, it, you know, that, as I said to you, that's the post I did today. Like <laughs> when you zoom out to the really yeah. big picture, like, big global chunky minimalist picture and mm. then walk it back in yeah. in a very detailed logical way a lot of these concepts start to fall apart mm. right so a lot of what I teach I did a lot of trial and error yeah. before I came to what works for me yeah. or you know what I teach people in terms of something that works for the horse's body there was a lot of trial and error prior. Yeah. There was a lot of this, oh, this is a great idea. And then you kind of play with it a little and you look at it logically in terms of yeah. if you zoom out all the way and then you try and come back to that same spot, does yeah. it still hold water? And a yeah. lot of it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've gone down a few rabbit holes myself. You go <laughs> investigate a rabbit hole, investigate it quite well, and then mm, maybe not all. But but that is the reality of uh, learning and growing and getting an education. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Okay, so what are your pieces of advice? What are you, what if you could narrow it down? What are your pieces of advice for people to have this like critical approach to looking after your horse or caring for the horse? What what are some some points you'd give them so they they don't just fall for everything? They don't just get desperate and do this. How do they wind themselves back and just have, have a bigger a okay oh wow okay so, right. sorry this is Let a big me... question but i'd love to hear <laughs> That's it right. so the first thing that i always think there's a couple of things that kind of mm. regular sentences that i throw out there there's something to learn from everybody even if it's not how to do something yeah <laughs> yes right. um if it's cute or too easy it's probably dangerous or wrong yeah yeah okay um there is no such thing as a fast fix yeah yeah the journey never ends so anybody that can yeah. tell you that you do this and then you're oh. done is lying yeah um, <laughs> you know i read that it's very good you said that because i read a post this morning that was so true like just say you've had a horse that's been wearing an ill-fitting saddle how is it out there people just think oh i got a new saddle it fits now should be right other saddle done to that horse's back like so I can tell you that I have met horses um that I can physically palpate tears in the thoracolumbar fascia now there is a lot of concept out there that fascia can heal um not unless it's mechanically stitched back together because oh, wow. especially that thoracolumbar fascia it's like it's like a drum it's a hide and so I have palpated where the saddle has worn in, particularly on the lumbar. You can feel the ragged edges of a scar, like where it's made a divot, like a tear wow. in the fabric. 
Um, okay, so there is another can of worms. We are systematically teaching horses to disassociate themselves from their body with everything we do with them. Yeah, wow. Unpick that a little bit for me. What do you mean by that? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, so the body's way of coping, if you can't run away, is to disassociate, yes. to uncouple the sensory cortex from the motor cortex. Yeah, I love you did a post on that the other day. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Okay, we uncouple it. Yeah. And then we can make it through life. Cause you know what? We can ignore it. It ain't happening. We can yeah. bear grin and bear through it, right? Yes. And so everything we do, um, so much, okay, let's take the Thorkalama fascia because they were talking about it. And we're talking about saddles. That fascia gliding over those apaxial muscles sends so much proprioceptive information to the brain about where the back is in space. Wow. Every time we sit on it, we super glue that stuff together. Yeah. And as we super glue it together, it becomes less mobile. It doesn't send the information. The brain forgets. It forgets. Well, fine. I don't need to use it. There's no information coming in. Yeah, it doesn't right. exist. Yeah. Okay. And so when we keep doing that, eventually we super glue that fascia down. Now, all these abdominals, they all sit yeah. in three layers into that thoracal lumbar fascia, right? Mm. Together with the diaphragm, it forms that cylinder because we all yeah. start as a tube with a mouth and an ass, yeah. right? And the integrity of the cylinder yeah. is fundamentally important. Mm. And so what happens is because there's no sensory information and it doesn't exist for the brain and those muscles can't really work because that fascia can't move like it should, mm. everything starts to sink because gravity. Yeah. and the human sitting on top right yeah. and so that analogy of hey i got a new saddle it now works well if you haven't reactivated the stuff that's all stuck down and if you haven't created some separation yeah. and some integrity to that cylinder to that corset that holds the body right then it doesn't matter that the saddle now fits yeah yeah because that information is still not going to the brain as far as the brain is concerned yeah. There are areas that don't exist yeah, because it's wow. learned to do that in order to protect itself from the noise the area was making. Yeah, wow. I'm just thinking of all the saddles that I bought over the years. <laughs> I probably was blaming the saddle and I hadn't actually uh, looked at the damage. The one that so we do, but that's what I mean. Like, yeah. okay, look about feet. So their feet yeah. hurt because we do stuff to them because there's people with theories that do all sorts of things and try it out and we think it's a good idea. And then we're like, oh, the, the horse's feet don't hurt anymore because we fixed it. Mm. Well, by the time that you have fixed the foot, yeah. the brain's gone, we don't talk about that. How many horses yeah. do you see daily that don't know where their feet are? Oh, yeah. that's, a, yeah, that's But that's it's not because true. they don't know where their feet are. It's because the brain's gone, that's too loud and I need to yeah. function. So we're going to smudge that stuff. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you might have gone and fixed the sore feet, but all the problems the sore feet beforehand had all caused is all still layered in there and it's all switched off. So... Yeah, it really goes to show, uh, yeah, you've, yeah, you've really got to keep learning, got to be very dedicated to this stuff to keep on top of it. Because just, you know, like, I'm, 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 I'm passionate, I can't, like, my favourite thing to do is just study about horses in all different ways, but it, it goes to show you that, and you just made me feel like I've got more to learn. <laughs> well, we all, I, I mean, everybody's got more to learn, so yeah. every time I, 
I'll give you an example. I love neurology. I think it's fascinating. And, yeah. you know, all I realize is that we really don't know shit. Like we yes. think we know stuff, but we don't. No. And so, <laughs> you know, every time I read something new, I learn something new, I go, oh my God, I'm even more confused. Like just yeah. trying to put it all together and the order yeah. in which it happens. That's why sometimes like we're talking about triggers. When people try and make neurology very simple or yeah. try and kind of dumb it down, I get really frustrated because there's so many things, there's so much going on. It's so complex between the electrical impulses and the chemical impulses yes. and yes. the ion flood channels. And you're like, oh, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> That's right. You go mess with one of those, you know, the the salts or the elements in the body and that has massive ramifications on your electrical right and so when people kind of try and put them in neat boxes that work for whatever it is they're trying to sell it makes me a little angry because it's way more complex yeah. and i certainly don't have all the answers i don't claim to be the you know the guru that knows it all but yeah. it's just it's about evolution just like the journey to help a body never ends until they're dead I yep. think the journey of um, learning never ends yeah. until you're dead. Like it shouldn't. Yep, absolutely. I think that's a good place to stop there. <laughs> I've kept you on the line for a while, but this has been an absolutely fascinating uh, conversation. Uh, that whole thing about having to be, um, you know, we've got to keep critically appreciating stuff. We've got to be observing all the stuff. You know, there's so many ways that can view a horse. You can learn from something from everyone, as as you said. <clears throat> there's not quick fixes. You've got to keep on learning. Each horse will present you with something else for you to learn and to understand. And just because you fix one thing or you're looking at one thing from one direction, it has ramifications all the way through. And unless you go to the root cause of it, it's always looking for that root cause and then kind of working your way back to actually help. Well, that. and the root cause is really hard to and find sometimes because we can't talk to them. No. We can't talk to them. Yeah, and they're not human. <laughs> so no. Bottom line is they are awesome. Definitely not. <laughs> the perception of the world is different. And, um, yeah, and there's a whole lot of people that try to make judgments about knowing what they're thinking and knowing what they're feeling. Got to be very careful. Well, it's interesting because I actually, um, you know, work a little bit with one of the animal communicators that I kind of like. And, you know, I, I've always been on the fence with this whole, I get, I mean, it's stupid because I communicate with them. I kind of get what they're saying in terms of the general feel. Like I get a sensation of what's going on. Um, obviously it's my interpretation I don't know if it's true or not but I've worked with animal communicators and most of them like come out with very general things and I go I can do that um, but this particular one um, Shaylee Evans she's really good at pinpointing medical things so her whole thing is like you know how can we improve the animal's life you know the animal don't ask me if your animal loves you because that's not important yeah. <laughs> Right. And so, um, and she's been so spot on with things that I'm like, oh, that's fascinating and creepy at the same time. And (laughs) so I have it on good authority from her about a lot of things where I text her in the middle of the night. Why does this happen? What do they say about this? Is it like that or is it like that? You know? (laughs) Um, So, but it is, it's all still kind of limited to the concept of how you can communicate with a being that doesn't have words. 
yeah, that's the whole thing. And because we're so hooked on our words and we're also a little yes. bit disconnected ourselves in terms of, you know, our right. civilization, how it's all gone. We've got that disconnection to the earth. We we acknowledge it with Indigenous populations and stuff, their connection to the earth and the land and stuff like that. But we're a little bit disassociated from it ourselves because obviously we've disconnected that that as well. So I do know and I do acknowledge that there is <clears throat> that particular level out there. Yeah. Oh, this has been a great conversation. Thank well, you. thank you for having me. It was so much fun. It was. Okay. I'll, I'll see you later. Thank you so much for joining us. See You're ya. welcome. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canter Therapy. You can find us on Facebook on Canter Therapy Podcast. And if you'd like to know more about me, Dr. Shelley Appleton, you can find out more about me on my website, Come Willing Confident Horses com.au i'm on social media facebook dr shelly appleton calm willing confident horses and i'm kat uh you can find me on facebook at forenza park equine services or instagram at forenza park if you would like to leave us a rating where you're listening to this podcast we'd appreciate it and we look forward to hearing from you